Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom Najma is a brilliant black Muslim woman living in Egypt who was quickly labeled high risk in her first pregnancy. Najma made the tough decision to move back to the United States for the birth of her first child and unfortunately wound up having an entirely unnecessary surgical birth. And it wasn't until Najma returned to Egypt that she was invited to sit in a woman's circle where she heard from multiple women who had birthed freely with just their families. So Najma tells us of her perfect free birth, where she took her power back and claimed a new space in her mothering, one of full autonomy. Yes, my mothering journey started back in 2017. Um, I was newly married. Um, fresh out of a job, (laughs) um, fresh out of college. Um, My background is in pharmacy and I got let go of my job because I have um, lupus and kidney disease and it really just took over my life with the illness. So I decided to just leave all of my life behind and like, I'm just going to move to Egypt. (laughs) It's super cheap there. It's pretty nice. And, you know, just start a journey like, you know, what else is out there? This pharmaceutical stuff obviously isn't working. You know, let's see. Um, when I met my husband. You had already gotten married before you moved to Egypt? No, I moved to Egypt before getting married. Oh, wow. That is a bold move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my wow. mom, everyone thought I was crazy. I was like, you know, young, 25, little old me. I'm literally like five, four hundred pounds. And they're like, you're moving where? And why, why Egypt? Well, a few months prior to getting, lo- getting um, let go from my job, I spent about three weeks here um, with a friend of mine. It's, I was on short-term um, leave from work. And I had just started um, like around the chemo so that they could see that will help, you know, get my glucose under, under control. And it just was so peaceful and tranquil there. Um, I kind of felt at home, which was so strange. It was the first time that I was like, you know, in Africa. And I'm like, it's not so bad here. Mm. So I think 
you know, with me no longer having a job, no longer being able to support myself, the first thing I thought of was where does it, you know, feel like home? And this was, you know, Egypt was where I thought. That's beautiful. Having never been there. Right. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, when you know, you know. Right. So I'm like, oh, just take a whack at it. And so many people were like, no, because you're young. And I'm like, well, it wasn't bad there. You know, I spent a few weeks there. It was fine. So I literally sold all of my things. I packed up. I had eight suitcases. <laughs> like, <laughs> one filled with shoes, one with clothes. Um, and I just made the move. I didn't have, you know, I just had my savings. I, like, cashed out my 401k. I didn't have a steady income. I didn't even have a place set up. I just was like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> and it it worked out. Um, you know, a few months in, I was courting with my, you know, at the time, fiance. He had lived in Egypt for about 18 years and he had, you know, transitioned back to the States and I had transitioned into Egypt. So when we decided that we wanted to marry, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going back to the States. So, you know, this is going to work. You're going to have to come back. And he did. He did. He literally had just like restarted his life (laughs) in the States, but he came back. For you. Um, Yes, for me. Little old you know, mystery girl. He didn't really know. <laughs> oh my God. That's romantic. Yes. So, um, you know, everything was just platonic and we were honeymooning and I guess motherhood wasn't a thought for me because I had been through so much with, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. My kidneys were kind of going bad. You know, doctors are telling me, oh, you probably won't be able to have kids because, you know, you did rounds of chemo and, just, you know, certain things that they tell you to just kind of scare you. So, you know, wasn't a thought, I guess, the second month. So I got married in May. And then at the end of June, um, I was having like these weird cravings. And I just, been, you know, a little besides myself, but pregnancy never <laughs> was never a thought for me. Hmm. So my husband is like, I think you're pregnant. And I'm like, are you nuts? How can I be pregnant? <laughs> He's like, because we do with pregnant with, you know, with married people do and it can, you know, make you pregnant. And I'm like, hmm, okay, whatevs. So he buys a test, pee on it, nothing happens. I'm like, see, told you. And then he's like, no, no, something's supposed to happen. Like it didn't say like, like even the control line didn't show up or anything. So he's like, oh, well, he's like, well, I want my money back because you're not supposed to have a faulty test. He just was like flipping out. And I'm like, whatever, I'm not pregnant. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so he got another one and I didn't take it. till the next morning I took it when he was asleep. Cause I was, you know, I guess afraid. And I waited about five minutes and I went in and it said positive. I'm oh like, my God. He didn't me. How? Like just so completely shocked. So then he wakes up and I tell him, he's like, see, I told you. So he's like, wait, so I'm going to, he's like, <laughs> he's really bummed about the one that didn't work. So he goes in the trash can and then that will show that it was positive. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's cute. He's like, see, I told you. And I'm like, okay. And I'm just like out of my mind. What do I do? Like, what do we do? So, um, you know, me still being pharmaceutical minded, I'm like, oh, I have to call the doctor. We have to figure it out. You know, we're in Egypt at this time. 
And so I was emailing my um, nephrologist back home and he's like, oh, you have to see, you know, maternal fetal specialist. And, you know, um, you just literally, it hasn't even been 30 days since you finished your last round of chemo. This can cause issues with the fetus. And, and you probably wait, I, I missed, I missed what, why you were doing the chemo. What was it for? So people that have lupus, they... Now they have certain drugs for it, but back then they didn't have any designated like drugs for it. So they just kind of like guinea pig you, they give you a bunch of, you know, steroids and all these different medicines to see what will help you. Oh my so gosh. Usually what their um, mindset is, we need to calm your immune system down. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you something to strip your immune system in hopes it'll simmer down the lupus and see what happens. So that's wow. the, I guess, the mindset behind we put lupus patients on chemo to strip away their immune system since their immune system is too overactive and attacking itself. Wow. Okay. I did not know they did chemo for lupus. That's that's wild. Yes. Um, and I was, it did way more harm than good. <laughs> so I just was like completely over it. So I was concerned as well because I knew that I was going to embark on a journey of finding something holistic and natural. And I was waiting for this medicine to get out my system. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, am I going to jack the baby up? So of course that, <laughs> him saying that, I just started, he's like, oh yeah, I don't think, you know, you might not want to keep the baby. He just was, the doctor was saying Aww. all these things. And I'm like, all right, well, well, well before you, you know, let's just see what's going on. Like, that's not even a thought in my mind. I just want to make sure that I'm okay. The baby's okay kind of thing. So we did some research and I found um, a maternal fetal specialist here in Egypt, made an appointment. It was like an hour away. It was so far and it was fine. Um, he was like, yep, definitely pregnant. I think I was like six or seven weeks at the time. And I was asking him the questions that my nephrologist told me to ask. And he just was so like, I mean, you know, it's in God's hands. If it's meant for you to have the baby and if it's meant for him to be healthy, he's going to be healthy. Although he was a specialist, he wasn't trying to scare me. So I went in all anxious, you know, waiting for this like bad news. And he just was so like, you're fine. Baby's fine. What else? Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, okay. So I think my downfall was keeping in contact with my doctors in the States because they made it as if Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Did he run blood tested? I'm like, yeah, he sent me and got labs. He said I was fine. <laughs> the baby was fine. And if I had any concerns to just call him and they're like, no, that's not okay. So fast forward to September. I said, well, let's go. And based on what the doctors say, we'll determine what we, I guess what we need to do. So went to the States and that's when the, you know, initiation began, you know, oh, you have to come, you know, twice a mm-hmm. week, you have to get this yeah. test, you know, they looked at me as I was like a, a walking anomaly. They're like, we've never seen a patient like you. Your labs are horrible, but you and your baby are okay. How? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you know, just going with the flow. And I guess the more I got poked and prodded, I began to investigate a lot more. Oddly, not about pregnancy, but the health of the child, mm. the health of my unborn child. So I was looking into cloth diapers and, 
you know, okay, when it comes to doctors, I'm like, hmm, let's investigate this vaccine stuff. So all the things that had to do with the health of my child, I began to unravel. So we came back from the States and the specialist here in Egypt, he's like, you know, unless something's wrong, I don't really need to see you. Hmm. And based on what was done in the States, I was so confused. I'm like, what do you mean you don't need to see me? <laughs> I'm like, do you not care? And right? he was very, totally you know, attentive. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? I said, yeah, you're getting totally different treatment. Yeah. And it just was so conflicting. And with me being indoctrinated into how the system works in America, I guess I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to think. So after a while, um, you know, and now I I guess it's um, six months, so a few months go by, and I'm starting to get nervous because I was having like a lot of cramping. And when I would go to the doctors, they're like, it's fine. This is just part of pregnancy. I didn't know what was happening. So of course I'm emailing my doctors in the States and they're like, you need to get back here. They're not going to help you. Your baby, more than likely he'll be, you know, the baby will be born prematurely and just all these things. And I'm like, oh no. So then I thought, you know, I said to my husband, I said, Amir, if the baby's born prematurely, we don't have money to pay for a baby in a NICU here. It's like $200 a day. We can't afford that. So that in itself is what made me make the decision to say, okay, maybe we need to go back to the States. I have health insurance. They can help us. And my husband said, you know, what's, you know, what's meant to happen is going to happen. There's nothing happening right now. You're working based off of fear, but I'm not the one carrying the baby. So I'm going to let you take the lead and you do what, you know, we'll do what you feel is as best. Wow. So you, you basically, I mean, it, it was a series of events, but the last straw was this NICU possibility. So you totally re-uprooted your yes. life and went back to the States to prepare for potentially a baby that was going to need a lot of medical support. Yes. Wow. Exactly. That's wild. <laughs> exactly. So I know it was stressful for him. I felt bad because he had just moved back to Egypt. It was staying in a city that he wasn't even familiar in. You know, he had just gotten a job. And we were living off of savings at this point and savings were dwindling away. So we spent our last on plane tickets to get back to the States. Um, We were in between homes because, you know, my parents are like, "Uh, yeah, don't know about that. So we were staying with my great aunt. So my grandmother's older sister, who's in her 80s. (laughs) Um, It was just so crazy. So. We kept our home in Egypt because our rent at the time was like a hundred bucks. We're like, we'll just kind of pay the rent up. So, you know, after we had the baby, we'll, you know, resume back life in Egypt. But for now we have to make it work. So I continued on with doctor's appointments and, you know, ultrasounds. I had to get an ultrasound like every week. And Uh at the time I always wondered, I said, what is the personality going to be of this baby? Because the baby doesn't cooperate. And I found that so strange. And they're like, oh, you have such a stubborn baby. He's, you know, he's not keeping still. You know, they would do the stress test and he would like find a corner <laughs> to hide in. They're like, oh, oh we have that's to so sad. He, he away. Right. So what I know now, I'm like, oh my gosh, my poor baby. Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> I was too like, 
wrapped up to listen and, you know, realize I'm listening to them like, oh, I guess I have a stubborn baby. And when you think about a baby, how can a baby be stubborn? Like, what does that even mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but everything always checked out. Everything was always fine. Um, then I guess around 34 weeks, my um, maternal fetal specialist. So let me backtrack a little bit. This maternal fetal specialist. So I'm in the city of Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. He was the head of the department. Now, usually he never sees patients. He just kind of oversees the department. But he felt that my case was so rare, he had to step in. So when they would see his name, my name, like next to his on their church, they're like, you see this doctor? No, there has to be a mistake. He doesn't see patients. And he would ask, you know, can my, the residents come in? Because he said to me, he said, you know, on paper, I said, oh my God, this girl is dying. But then I see you in, in person and you're so stoic and you're full of life. Uh-huh. And I don't know what God you're praying to, but I guess it's working because I don't know how this is. I guess in his science brain, in his medicine brain, it didn't make sense. Something should have happened by now and it didn't. Right. It says so much. Right. So around 34, 35 weeks, he said, you know, you have so much discomfort. I'm like, yes, I do. He's like, you know, it's probably best that you don't go full term because, you know, what we don't want is something to happen and it's too late to help you. So I think it's best if we schedule you for, let's say, 38 weeks and we'll induce you. So I said, oh, okay. Um, so then the next week he said, you know what? Let's push that back. We'll do 37 weeks. By that time, you know, the baby... The baby will be fine. He can survive at 37 weeks. He'll be fine. I'm like, okay. So 37 weeks get there. I have to call a number to schedule my induction. And I do. And I have to be there by, I think, 8 o'clock. And around 7.30, I'm in the bathroom and I'm crying my eyes out. And I said to my husband, I scheduled this appointment, but why does it feel so wrong? Like, I'm not ready. What if the baby's not ready? I'm not ready. Why are you making me do this? There was not a point in my mind that said, you don't have to do that. Because I had no one around me to say, hey, you sure it's, you know. But then again, if I did, would I have, would I have listened? Right. <laughs> you know? So I got there. I said, you know, I, I, I want to eat. They're not going to let me eat. Why would they starve me? Isn't having a baby like an exercise <laughs> to eat? <laughs> so I said, can I have the last supper? I said, you know, like Jesus did. Can, can we have our last supper too? I said, not that I think something's going to happen, but I don't know when the baby's going to come. So he's like, where would you like to go? I said, can we go to Red Lobster first? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and we went to Red Lobster. I couldn't pick out, obviously, because I'm big as a horse and I couldn't eat that much, but it was great. And I said, okay, now let's go. I didn't get to the hospital until like midnight. And they're like, we were worried, you know, where were you? And I'm like, I was trying to get here. And then it took them like two hours to get me into a room. And then, 
you know, that's when they started. They're like, okay, we're going to give you, um, I forget the name of the pill um, that they put into your cervix to soften it. So they said, we're going to start with this and, you know, we'll kind of check and see how things go. I'm like, okay. So they're like, um, you know, so let us know if you need any pain meds. So I'm like, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to try to go as natural as possible. I don't want any, I don't want to be doped up. I need to be aware of what's going on. So she's like, well, I mean, honey, it's not a marathon. So if you're in pain, just let us know. <laughs> and I just felt so undermined it. Like, mm. well, I didn't think that. I just thought that this is, you know, so I just right. kind of flagged her. Um, so after a while, nothing's happening. Cervix isn't softening. The pills aren't working. So they're saying, okay, we're going to try a balloon. So we're going to place a balloon um, in your cervix. We're going to fill it with saline and that'll help force your cervix to dilate. When I say this is the most painful thing ever, I'm like, oh my gosh, why does childbirth have to feel like that? This can't be it. I don't believe that we were created to suffer like this. This just doesn't, this is inhumane. But what else do I know outside of what they're telling me? So that managed to work, but then I began to bleed a little bit and they're like, oh, this is normal. And then they're like, so I was like, well, how long do I have to wait for this balloon to just sit in me? And they're like, well, once the balloon, once you get to about a four, the balloon will just fall out. I'm like, okay. But in the interim, they had to keep deflating it because when I had to pee, it was pushing on my bladder. I couldn't pee. Uh So they had to take some of the saline out enough for me to be able to pee. And then I had to get back in the bed for them to fill it back up. (laughs) It was horrible. It really was. And as painful as it was, I'm like, oh, I got to push through it. So I get to about a four. And they're like, um, what did they do after that? And I'm like, okay, you're progressing. It looks like, you know, labor starting. Um, so I said, okay. So then they gave me um, Pitocin. And so we'll start on a Pitocin drip. Oh, my gosh. That was... So I can't describe it. It's your body. I feel like it was forcing my body to do something my body was not ready to do. Because they were back to back. You know, the surgery just back to back and it didn't feel like anything was happening. So I'm like laying down and I'm like, why does laying down hurt? It hurts so bad. Maybe I need to stand up. Yeah, I'm going to get up. So he's like, just be careful. Just I'm like, listen, it laying down hurts. So I need to figure out what I gotta do so that this just doesn't hurt. And she's like, it's labor, honey. It's gonna hurt. And I'm like, well, I'm not in labor right now, right? It's just the process, but it shouldn't feel this way. So I got up and I said, I don't know what you ladies need to do, but can I take this machine with me? Because I'm not leaving this bed. It it hurts. I I can't. So my husband and I was like, you know, well, let's just let me help you take your mind off of it. Let's, you know. Let's walk. So I'm holding on to him and I'm had my eyes closed and we're just walking back and forth. And that helped. I'm like, wow, this is working. Okay. I think I can do this. <laughs> and then they come back in, you know, a little while later, they check me and they're like, okay, looks like you're at about a six. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, move you to the next room. I said, okay. So she's like, do you want an epidural? And I'm like, no, I was doing just fine. She's like, listen, oh. honey. I've been a nurse for 20 years. And the last thing we want is for something to happen. We'll have to put you under total anesthesia. You won't be aware of anything. 
So it's better that you have the epidural. So if we have to go into surgery, you're already prepped for it. Otherwise, if we have to put you totally under, it doesn't work out for moms that way. Wow. And my heart just went into my stomach because I had in my head, I'm going to kick Pitocin's behind. I, I got this. And she completely, that courage that I had just went mm. out the window. And she really asserted herself being 20 year, you know, 20 year veteran nurse. And she just seen it all. And I'm just like, wow. I'm like, well, I guess we have to take her advice. I'm like, I really don't want it. And she's like, you know, it doesn't make you any less of a mother. It's okay. You know, it's, we all go through it. it it'll be fine. I don't like needles. <laughs> so I'm like, so I watched my mother get an epidural and just watching her get it, I said, I will never. It looks so, I'm like, it'll touch my spine. Then I just sign paperwork that if something happens, I can't see you guys. Like, I don't think I trust you guys that much. <laughs> like, this is my life. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. That is so horrific. So, so bad. But I just, you know, of course, me being in labor, thinking, I don't want anything to happen to me. I'm newly married. I can't leave my husband with a, a child. And, you know, I can't do that. So I'm going to just take her advice. So we get up to um, the labor delivery room and they prepped me for the epidural and it was horrible. My, my spine was burning oh. and, you know, of course, labor is still picking up because they still had the Pitocin going. And I guess once it, so they're telling me like, oh, you press this if you want more, you know, and I was in so much pain because I'm now on my back. And that rhythm I had going to being up, it went away. So now I feel deflated. I feel I'm exhausted and I'm not doing anything. And then I realized, hey, only half of my body is numb. Uh, this is weird. So they're coming, they're checking, they're like, oh, it's fine. You know, the injection's fine. They're giving me more. And my body feels like half of it feels like a, a ton, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. maybe a ton of an elephant. And the other half I can feel and it's painful. So one of the doctors from anesthesia is like, you know, this happens to one, I forget the statistic he gave me, but basically I'm one of those people that, you know, the epidural doesn't really work for. (laughs) It works for, I guess, half the body. It doesn't Mm -hmm. numb all of the nerves like it would a typical person. It's random. I mean, it's because of how it was administered. You know, mm. it's such a delicate area full of nerves and it could, it, it just really, my understanding is that it, it's not the person, it's how it's placed and it's quite um, unpredictable. Anyway, regardless, it's still, it's not you, it's them is what I'm trying right. to say. And that actually makes a total sense. So now they're really making me think, well, my body is just super defective, huh? <laughs> no, yeah, not at all. You know? So they just are like, you know, well, there's nothing they could do. So I drift off to sleep because at this point I'm like, help me. I can't, you tell me I can't get up. I can't feel anything to, to get up and I'm in pain now. Help me. So I don't remember what they gave me, but I drifted off to sleep and I had a dream of a balloon bursting and I woke up and I called for the nurse and I'm like, I think my water broke, but I can't feel anything. 
so wow. can you look? And she was like, oh, yeah. So let's check you. You're like, oh, you're at a 10. It's about ready to push. I'm like, really? Oh, okay. So, you know, they pull the bed up some. They have my feet in the, in the stirrups and they bring this bar. So I guess I could kind of pull up. And they're like, all right. So we're looking at the monitor. When you have, you know, the next contraction, we want you to push. And I'm like, well, I can't feel anything. So, okay. So I'm pushing. They're like, no, you're pushing wrong. No, what you're doing, it's going to hurt the baby. And I'm like, listen, what? I don't know what you mean by pushing. What do you want me to do? So they're like scolding me that I'm pushing wrong. And I'm like, well, I don't feel the urges. And I don't know, what does it mean to push? Like, what am I pushing? Like, am I like straining to go to the bathroom? Or like, what is this? I don't know. Eventually, I guess I got it right. And it was literally... I had to push and I had to hold for a certain amount of seconds. I had to hold my breath and I had to let go. Then I had, it was back to back and I was exhausted. And I'm like, please, I just need a little morsel of something, like a little bit of pretzel cookie. They're like, no, we're we're past that. I'm like, but I'm tired. They're like, it's labor, honey. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, okay. And already I'm I'm exhausted. So... The lady, the nurse next to me is talking about, oh, yeah, Sally's going to go um, over to Cadoba. What do we have? And I'm thinking, like, I'm trying to figure out how to push. And you're talking about what you're going to friggin' eat for lunch. And I'm hungry. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And then they're like, oh, we can see the head. Oh, this baby's beautiful. Look at all that hair. And I'm like, really? Okay. Maybe this is a part of the labor process, too. You just, you know. So I'm pushing, I'm pushing, and then I feel like I hit a standstill. And they're like, oh, he's sunny side up. This is why you're in so much pain. Any baby that presents this way, you know, kind of pulls a difficult labor. And I'm pushing and I'm grabbing onto the bar and I have nothing left in me. Mm. And at that moment, I felt like I can't do this. I just got this strong sensation of the part of the body that I could feel. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. And I just burst into tears. And they're like, honey, it's okay. You know, at this rate, you've been pushing for so long. So I have been, I have been pushing for three hours, 45 minutes straight, literally back to back, no, barely in a break in between. And she's like, you know, at this point, even if you were to push this baby out, his, you know, his head would be shaped like a cone. Um, his face would probably be bruised because, you know, your pelvic is very, very small. So he probably just having a hard time passing through, you know, your small frame. We can just do, you know, emergency C-section, um, because if we keep going, you know, um, his heart rate could probably drop and probably wouldn't be good. So you think we should go ahead and do that? Just cut him out? And I was like, I don't want a C-section. My mom had a C-section and she almost died. I don't want that. Well, baby, well, honey, how are you going to get this baby out? I'm like, I don't know. But I just need something to get me going. I have nothing left in me. I, I just, I can't push anymore. I'm tired. So I said, can I just rest? If everything's okay, everything was fine. So I'm wondering, like, why didn't they just let me rest a little bit to, like, get, you know, they're like, no, the contractions are coming. It'll keep squeezing him. He has to come out. I'm like, Okay. I guess if I don't have a choice, I guess we have to do the C-section. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll see 
um, you know, the anesthesiologist that's on the call and will prep you. So that didn't happen for almost another hour. So in my mind, I'm like, well, how much of an emergency is it that I can't, you know, rest a little bit and try again or something or allow some of this epidural to wear off so I can like get up. They're like, you're a lady, you can't get up. You know, you have this in your back, you, you can't get up. That's just not possible. So they came, they got me. <clears throat> At this point, my husband and my mom were in the room, but only one person was allowed. So of course it was going to be my husband. And they went to give me a spinal tap because um, the epidural, I guess, obviously, so now it's making oh, sense right. because they said, if the right, spinal right. tap doesn't work, we'll have to put you all the way under. Uh-huh. And that was more painful. And I remember um, getting it and laying down, they strapped my arms down and I felt this heaviness on my chest and I can no longer even feel my lungs. I couldn't even tell if I was breathing. And I'm starting to panic. And I'm like, I can't breathe. And I'm trying to tell them. And they're just talking. And I feel like I was going in and out. And I really thought I was dying. Because I couldn't feel my lungs filling up with air to breathe. And they're like, she said she can't breathe. Let's check her. And they're like, oh, you know, her O2 is fine. I'm like, really, I can't feel, I can't breathe. And they're like, oh, you're just probably numb, honey. Just, just, you know, just relax. So I had to take short, shallow breaths, like, so to not freak myself out because in my mind, I was dying. I could not breathe. But I guess if I'm numbed all the way up to probably my, my friggin' neck, (laughs) then that would make sense why I couldn't feel my lungs. So I'm saying my prayers in my mind just preparing myself to die I thought I was going to die and I'm like okay good thoughts of your Lord and you know say a prayer for your baby and hopefully you'll get out of this I don't know um and then I remember feeling pressure and it's like you're numb but you're not numb I can feel them inside of me and I'm like this is the strangest thing ever this hurts but I couldn't really move. I couldn't talk. And then I remember him saying, oh, the baby. And I heard the baby crying. And they're like, she's so pretty. Look at her. Look at all this hair. And I'm like, she? That's all I could say. Because all the time I knew I was having a boy. And they're like, wait. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It, yeah, it's a boy. It's a boy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, you know, they handed the um, baby to my husband and they're, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we're stitching you all up. We're getting you all, we're cleaning everything out. It's a lot of stuff in here. We've got to clean out. I feel like I was being put together, back together like a puzzle piece. Um, how they were talking. And then in recovery, they're, um, I still was catheterized and I was just having all these clots from my bladder. And they were trying to tell me, yeah, we don't know why that's happening. I'm like, well, did you guys nick something? Because why else would I have blood clots in my urine if I'm catheterized from the entire time? And they're like, no, we didn't do that, but we don't know why that's happening. And this whole, I'm looking at my baby and I feel like I don't know him. 
they're trying to tell me to breastfeed and I am, but I'm like, this is a stranger to me. Who is this child? So I'm, you know, doing skin to skin and it just really robbed me of the experience. I felt disconnected from my child. Yeah. Well, you were, you were literally disconnected. Yes. Yeah. So that is so, so brutal and so common. And, you know, 50% in the States, 50% of inductions end in C-sections. And exactly what you just described, I have seen more times than I could count, you know, personally. And it is torture. It is violence. It is gaslighting. It is coercion and manipulation. And, and it is, it, I mean, it's violence. Oh, oh, my heart just breaks to hear this. That is so brutal. So how do you pick up the pieces of your life after that? Like it sounds in the way you're telling it, it sounds like you had awareness or I shouldn't make this assumption. Let me ask it a different way. At what point or was it during that you began to have awareness of that being like unnecessary or not okay or anything, you know, in that realm? So that didn't pick up to almost a year later. So when the baby was about six months, we uh, went ahead and moved back to Egypt and I was completely traumatized. I'm like, nope, not having any more kids. Don't know what you're going to do, pal, but it's just not happening. <laughs> like, it's not happening. I, I don't see it, um, you know. So we, yeah, we just moved back. I had, um, you know, the birth control in my arm. I'm like, yep, we're straight. Don't have to worry about it. So um, he had some friends that were also from the States that were living in Egypt. He said, you know, one of my friends, his wife, you know, they have four children. Her last child they had at home with just the two of them. I said, what? She did that at home? How the heck she do that? He's like, you know, they want to come over for dinner. And I'm like, okay. I was really intrigued to hear this lady and her story. Because I'm like, how the heck? What? <laughs> uh-huh. And comes to find out she was a doula. And, you know, it was natural for moms to start talking about children. And I told her, I said, I am traumatized. I cannot see myself ever giving birth again. And she's like, well, explain that, you know, what happened. So, you know, I told her what happened. And she's like, you know, you know that that shouldn't have happened? I said, how so? And she began to tell me that with everything being okay with me starting out that way, there's no reason why they ever should have labeled me. There was nothing concrete that they had that was physically wrong with me, even with my ailments, to categorize me as high risk. So she's like, so that being in your mind, even if something wasn't wrong, or perhaps you may have been thinking things were wrong just because you knew you were labeled as high risk. Mm-hmm. Like they solidified that thought into my mind. And then she kind of walked me through my birth process of what my options would have been. And I'm like, you know what? Did you said that? Like <laughs> everything she said, it made total sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. So I felt enlightened a little, a little bit. And she said, you know, we have um, a birth circle that I, that I hold, a friend of mine, you know, here in Egypt, I would love for you to come. And, you know, we share birth stories and we talk about what a true physiological, natural birth is. 
And, you know, so I went and I heard her tell her story of how she birthed her baby, which is her and her husband. And that was the most beautiful birth story I had ever heard. It gave me chills listening to her and seeing her cry of happiness and joy to hold her baby. And I'm like, this is so magical. And then I knew I'm like, that is birth. Now, how does she do it? <laughs> and then another, you know, lady there, she also shared her story. And another one shared her story, how she free birth twins. I'm like, so this is birth. I think I got my epiphany then. And on my way home, also, I called my husband. Mm-hmm. What's up with your like badass birth circle in Egypt? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it grew over time to about 50, 60 women. Most <gasps> of us were from, you know, Western, you know, countries, Europe and from all over. And she would host them once a month. But because she recently, a few months back, went back to the States, it just kind of fell apart. Mm, you got to restart them, girl. Yes, I have to. <laughs> I have to. So on my way home, I said to my husband, I said, Amir, we, we got to reanalyze some things because I just learned where birth is and I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I have some research to do. So mm-hmm. I began to research so many things about birth. And I just was in, in awe. And then I went to pull my hospital records because I wanted to know what do you what did they have down that actually happened? Because they categorized me as an emergency. But what was the emergency? And when I got my records, you can like get them right online. And they said failure to descend. I'm like, what? Wow. All that talk that y'all said, all you wrote was failure to descend? That was a legitimized reason for a C-section? Wow. So at that moment, I knew, I'm like, they played me. They played me like a drum. Mm. Never again. Never again. And then the other thing I thought was because I had a C-section, that will always need one. Everyone will always tell me this. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, so I have, you know, a more than 99% chance of it being great. And I will fear the lesser mm-hmm. percentage. That doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. I'm like, okay. So all this research inspired me. And I'm like, yeah, we're having a baby. <laughs> we're going to have a baby. It's going to be great. It's going to be my redemption birth. It's going to be great. No, I didn't have in mind I was going to free birth at this moment. I just knew that I could have another baby and I could have it vaginally. Mm -hmm. So when I got pregnant, this is now in 2019. And I said, okay, well, let's find a, you know, a birth. Let's say they have a birth center here in Egypt. And they did, but it was three hours away. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. Okay, well, what about any hospitals? They have like a birthing pool. That sounds really, you know, relaxing. Well, that was about an hour away. I'm like, mm, like okay, that's not going to work. Well, are there any midwives here? Midwifery, that's, that's a thing of the past. Don't find that here. Hmm. So my doula friend said, you know, I initially, originally hired a midwife. She said she didn't show up for my birth because she said her blood pressure was high and she had a headache. <laughs> so, you know, that's how the free birth happened. She said, but if you want to see her she's very underground you have to mm. call this place request a prenatal massage and then 
you know, she'll, you'll see her that way. And you can talk to her about what you like from her. I said, wow, that sounds very sketchy. But um, okay. But that just still sounds like just because she didn't show up for her, I don't know if I want to do that. So we found another, we heard of a doctor that attended home births, but he was a man. And I'm like, I don't want a man looking. Yeah, that's, that's a hard no for me. Why would it only be a male doctor that oversaw that? But then his C-section rates were still really high. Hmm. So it just sounded like a little underhandedness. But a part of his team, there was a, a midwife. She was from the Philippines. So I said, well, maybe if I reach out to her and say, hey, would you be okay overseeing my birth? And, you know, so we called her over to the house. So I told my, my dual friend, um, I said, can you come sit with me when she comes? Because, you know, you'll know some good questions to ask her. I have some written down, but in case I, you know, overlook a question or something, she said, okay, sure. So she comes over to the house and I'm interviewing her and she didn't really seem like a good fit. She did, but she didn't. Some of her answers, she was just seemed really scared to do it on her own. Um, some of her answers were like, well, yeah, I would do this. And I'm like, but I don't want you to do that. So are you okay with not doing that? And she's like, um, okay. And when she left, I felt a sense of unease. Hmm. And I prayed on it. I said, if it's meant for this lady to oversee my birth, please allow me to bond with her and feel comfortable with her. And if not, please send her away. And about a month later, she, when I messaged her to invite her over, she was like, oh, I'm in the Philippines. I left Egypt. I'm like, what? Oh. So I'm like, well. Well, there you go. I, yeah. <laughs> and so that prayer got no clearer than that. So I said to my husband, I said, well, what do we do? He's like, well, what do you think we should do? I'm like, can we have this baby on our own? And he said, can we? I'm like, heck yeah, why not? He's like, I believe in you. You know, he said, I follow your lead. I don't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> so tell me what, what, we, what we're going to do and we'll do it. I said, okay, well, I need to learn how to do this. So, you know, scouring the websites and trying to find like, you know, home birth course or something to help me. And I came across, um, this one was like 30 bucks. And I'm like, uh, okay, guess so. So I'm reading through it and it was really boring. And I just kind of cherry picked through uh, with what I needed to know. And I did, you know, fear expelling and really wrote down, what is it that I fear about this process? I need to get rid of this fear because that's going to hinder me. And so I looked up things such as shoulder dystocia and um, hemorrhaging and was the baby's cords wrapped around the neck and all these things until, oh, what if the baby, you know, with your water breaks and there's meconium and all these things. I'm like, huh. I, I then felt confident that all of those crazy what ifs were gone. So then I said, okay, I'm no longer afraid. Now I need to tap in and zoom, zone into, you know, this pregnancy and this birth. So, you know, my husband and I, we make ferment. So, you know, I was doing everything right. My diet was proper. I was doing spinning babies and <laughs> doing everything right. So I'm going to do everything right this time because there's no way I could birth in the hospitals here. Now I did see an OB that wasn't far from my house. 
I did locate the nearest maternity hospital, which was literally five minutes away. In the event, so I went to have a rapport with someone here so someone would know me. Because here in this country, if no one has ever seen you, they're looking like, well, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. So I saw her just enough times to, I think maybe twice, you know, decline ultrasounds and everything. And I actually liked her. She seemed natural minded, but I still didn't trust her because I said, when you're on, on their, you know, playground, it's a whole different set of rules and they'll say anything they want until they get you. And then it's, it's game over. So, but I kept that, you know, relationship with her and just did everything myself. So of course I'm still kind of indoctrinized. So I'm, you know, weighing myself every week. I'm taking my blood pressure. And after a while, I'm like, you know what? This is getting tiresome. I'm fine. <laughs> like, you know, I went and sent for my labs and, you know, looked at my own hemoglobin and my ferritin. And I'm like, okay, just got to, you know, increase this or increase that. So, so fast forward um, towards the end. I didn't tell anyone that I had planned on home birthing. I actually lied to my mom and a few of my family members and told them like, oh, yes, this maternity hospital close by. And because I, I needed to protect my space. I really needed me to be, I, I needed this to happen. And I didn't want anybody trying to persuade me. And it's not, and I didn't keep it from them in fear that they would change my mind. I didn't want that negativity lingering around me. I didn't want it. So mm -hmm. I was very protective. I literally told maybe two friends and they were just so stoked for me. And I kept it as that. So I had a living nanny at the time. She didn't even know <laughs> that that was the plan. So, um, you know, fast forward, I guess I'm about 39 weeks now. And, you know, the, that prodromal, this is all new for me. So those Braxton Hicks, I'm like, uh, I, I literally would use those as my practice, you know, waves. And anytime I had to move my bowels, <laughs> I just use that, like breathing it down. I was really uh -huh. like any opportunity to practice. I'm like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get, I can do this. And I was completely calm and everything. So I guess um, this is now 2020, the end of February. And I felt like something was happening, but I wasn't sure. I just was going with the flow. So I'm doing, you know, still doing my spinning babies and I'm just making sure like, oh, baby's in optimal, you know, just following that hoopla stuff. <laughs> and um, what happened then? So I was getting like, I guess the prodromal labor. So it was like starting then stopping. So I would put on my TENS machine and I would just rest and I would stack a whole bunch of pillows between my to keep my cervix open. And I'm like, I'm not going to overdo it. I'm just going to just relax till something happens. I just was literally not knowing what to do, but doing whatever my body felt like it needed to do. So it was very like randomized. Um, you know, I did some pelvic steaming and that was very relaxing. Um, and then, so it was about two, three days of that. And I'm like, all right, something's got to give <laughs> because uh -huh. I was motioning through it, but it was just dragging on. I'm like, okay, something has to give. I'm like, maybe I need to do something a little more like radical. Like, so I was like, what? I'm like, well, maybe we need to like dance. He's like, what kind of dance? I said, you need to turn the baby out or something. Turn him card to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay. Mm -hmm. We're both very conservative. Um, 
But I'm like, listen, whatever we got to do, we're maybe I just felt like my body needed to just shake and move. And that's what I did. And I had a blast doing it. (laughs) I wish there was was video of that. (laughs) It was so fun. And I'm like, all right, now I'm tired. So then for spinning babies, I did some, um, you know, just a few things. Um, Then I steamed. I said, okay, I'm going to take a bath. Then I'm going to lay down and rest. So as I'm in the tub, um, I'm like laying on my side. I'm texting my mom and just, you know, so I feel this strong bulge. Like it was like a huge cramp. And then I felt a pop and I heard it. I'm like, the heck was that? And I'm like, wait, was that my water? And then like a few moments later, I felt the gush in the water. I'm like, oh, I think that was my water. So I'm like, babe, my water broke. He's like, okay. So he comes in, he's like, no, what? I was like, I guess I'll just sit here. Yeah. So then I just like laid back down on my side in the tub. And I said, hmm, what do I do? And I'm like, what do you think you should do? And I'm like, I'll just lay here. Okay. (laughs) So I'm scrolling on Facebook and the water started to get a little cool. So I said, okay, well, since my water broke and I don't feel anything, I'm going to go and lay down. So as soon as I... Let the water out. I see all the herbs floating. Always, you know, did my little herbal baths. And I get out, I dry off, and the waves start picking up. But up there to where I had to stop in my tracks. And I'm like, oh, this is very different. Okay. Maybe you need to set up your area. So I'm like, yeah, set up your area. So I, you know, leave up my, I have an ensuite. So I come out of the bathroom into the room. And my husband already set up my lights and had my, oil diffuser going and we had some Quran playing in the background and I'm like all right I need to set up on the floor and it's like I don't know what made me get to it but I just felt this is what I needed to do so I got some pillows I threw a towel over them I grabbed my yoga ball and I just was leaning over my yoga ball and I just was kind of swaying with it and so my husband, he's running back and forth. He's getting my electrolyte drinks that I made up and getting some dates and all the things I requested. And I was like, babe, Amir, Amir, please don't leave. I just need you right here. Please don't leave. And because they were getting so intense. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, this is it, I guess, right? And he's like, just relax, breathe. And he starts this story that he made up for to get me into my hypnobirthing mind and he's telling me you know um you're on a beach and you feel the sandy wind you know I don't remember the story but whatever he was saying I was there (laughs) I remember walking through some tree-lined forest onto the beach and I went up to the water and my feet you know was the water was warm and when I saw the waves that was, you know, it was going to push my baby to me. Like when Moses was in the water swaying, my baby was coming to me. And every single wave that I got, his story just sunk me deeper into it to where I couldn't, I was there, but I wasn't there. I can't tell you what was happening around me. That's so sweet. And his, his voice, I just, I just heard him. So when it started picking up, I kind of snapped out of it and at one point, I started to hyperventilate. And I'm like, I can't breathe. He's like, you can. 
breathe. And he started telling me my affirmation. I had them hanging up on the wall. So I saw him look up and was kind of like reading them off. Like, you are amazing. You are honored. You are loved. You are safe. I'm like, I am safe. I am loved. Okay. <laughs> so then I would tap into, because the, the ways I felt that they'd be moving down. So I tried to visualize where this baby was inside. And I'm like, the baby's is moving down. It, it's it's working. But then I hit a point where I'm like, is this working? He's like, is what working? I'm like, am I doing it? He's like, you're doing it. I'm like, okay. Because I wasn't sure. So I had those moments to where it gave me a flashback of my first birth where I felt like I wanted to give up. Uh-huh. And that moment where I felt the baby, I was like roaring. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I don't know where it came from. Wait, my body's pushing. I don't know what's happening. I'm not pushing. It's something's pushing. And that's, I guess, when that's when, you know, the fear kicked in. And the baby emerged a little bit and the baby went back up. And I'm like, wait, no, I can't do this. And he's like, You're oh, you you are doing it. The baby's almost here. I'm like, okay. So I'm on all fours and I was like, you got to catch this baby because I can't see. (laughs) So I relaxed and I said to my baby, baby, it's okay. It's safe. You can come out. And that very next wave, this baby, the head came out and I heard my husband say, this next one, you have to get the baby out. I said, okay. So I took a deep breath when the next wave came, the baby came flying out. And I remember being on all fours and I held my head up like, <gasps> and I was thinking like, did this just happen? And then I turned around and I was like, I'm here. wait, is the baby okay? And he's like, yeah. So I'm like, give me the baby. And I was like, I just had a baby out of my vagina. Wow. And so I'm like, hi, baby. Welcome. It's your own language, which it's your mom. And the baby's just looking and I'm like, okay, Wow. And I'm just holding the baby. And I'm like, is she okay? Because she was so quiet. Hmm. And I remember my son screaming. And she was so calm. And I just was like, you know, rubbing her back. And she let out like a little noise. And she sounded a little, you know, muffled. So I'm like, well, okay, let's just hold her forward. And I'll just rub her. And I'm like, wait, hold this baby. And I went to get up. And the placenta just came plopping out. It wasn't even three minutes later. And I'm like, okay, well. I want to sit on the bed now. <laughs> so I'm going to the bed. And I was on a birth high. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. So I text my mom, like, baby's here. She's like, wow, really? Because I had texted her, like, maybe, like, around 1230 midnight. And now this is, like, around 330 a.m. And I had a baby. And she's like, well, that was fast. Well, did you make it to the hospital? I'm like, nope. I had the baby right at home. <laughs> and that's when I revealed to her. I had this baby at home and I just felt so elated. Like I did this and it was great. And I just remember, you know, although her emergence, it was so intense, but the entire time I felt safe and I was warm Mm -hmm. and I felt loved and it was intimate. There was no distractions. The lights were dim. My favorite scent of lavender and vanilla was blowing and my favorite sound of the Quran was playing. And my favorite person, my husband, he was right there supporting me and coaching me. And he really believed that I could do it, even though he knew absolutely nothing. (laughs) He trusted me with our child. And Mm -hmm. I 
I just felt like I I did that. I really did. And um, so afterwards, I, you know, like, you hold the baby. I just feel like I need to, like, soak a little bit. And um, this is, like, a few hours later. And I, like, you know, soaked my bottom half and, you know, felt a little bit more refreshed. And, you know, so he had the baby in his shirt and she still has her placenta in the bowl. And I took a photo of them <laughs> together. It was, like, the cutest thing. But it was my baby son. He woke up and he came in. He's like, that? Because <laughs> he's like, he went to bed normal, woke up with like a baby in the house. And he's looking like, what happened? And the nanny was like, wait, when did this happen? I said, oh, you didn't hear me roar like a lioness? Oh, okay. That means I did good. <laughs> I love, I love picturing you being like, a baby came out of my vagina. <laughs> that was so epic for me like a baby came out of my vagina like (laughs) Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe I did it I mean it's it's such a big deal it's such a big deal after after that first story for you to to know not only what was taken from you but then to get to actualize it it's just so beautiful yes Did you tell your mom that you had done it like without any midwives or anything? Yes. And she just listened to me. Um, And I think because she heard the excitement and passion in my voice, she didn't say anything in objection, even though I I felt her energy. She wanted to. Mm -hmm. But I think she had my moment. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And baby's here. Baby's here. You You can't worry. You can't worry after <laughs> at all. She was like, wow, okay, well, I'm glad the baby's safe. And, you know, when I told my grandma, she's like, what? Oh, we talk all unsure. Because that, you know, that's what we used to do back in the day. So that's, that's, ooh, yes. <laughs> she was so excited. <laughs> that's amazing. And you, you have life growing inside of you at the time of this recording. Yes, I do. I am 27 weeks now. So it's, you know, getting towards the home stretch. And, you know, this birth has, I think, been more radical than my last two because I haven't done any type of propylene prodding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've just been like, I don't know how much I weigh. I don't know what my blood pressure is. All I know is that my baby's growing and I feel good. And I'm just going to do whatever my, my body and intuition guides me to do um, completely free with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, this time I feel I've been feeling this urge. I'm like, I feel like I want to pull, you know, I feel like I want to pull like a birth pull. So I was like, order it. I'm like, OK. <laughs> so I'm like, no guarantees it's going to happen. But, you know, I just been whatever my intuition's telling me, I just kind of go for it. So beautiful. Isn't that one of our biggest lessons to learn here? Yes. Yes. Um, Beautiful. Anything else you want to share? um, Not that I can think of. I know right now I plan on really, really, I guess, getting out there with my story to Uh really, you know, shed light for women that perhaps... We're in a similar situation like I am that maybe, you know, have, have been traumatized or had a C-section and can know that this is totally an option for you. 
And I think perhaps, you know, especially me being not only black, but Muslim as well, like, wow, okay, she can do it. That means I can do it too. So I really want to be a staple for women. Yes. Yes, you you will be and you are. It's so important to share these stories so that other women can know and that they can see exactly like you said, like, oh, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Yes. And that's what happens. You know, that ha- I get emails every day of women being like, I really related to this one woman on your podcast and I just free birthed my baby. And yeah, that's just amazing. So thank oh. you so much for your willingness to share and put your voice on this podcast and be a part of our community. And I just love having you in the school and I'm just so proud of you and, and grateful. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. And I'm really glad to be a part of the Free Birth Society. It's been like definitely life changing. So mm. thank you so much. Where, where can women find you on Insta? So I have my page, Wimtopia. And I today actually uploaded a, a video and I'll be from now on posting content every day. So Ooh. you can find me on Umtopia on Insta and as well as Facebook. I'm going to your page right now. <laughs> I want to see if it has fans, if it has fans on you. <laughs> oh, I'll share this video. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes also so women can find you. And yeah, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shyla Ray. And now I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly.